Hey guys, welcome back to But Why They're the Podcast, where we talk about the things in pop culture that matter and ask the question, but why though? Uh, today's topic is all things esports. Why do they matter? Do they matter? We're going to talk about it some. Um, so as always, I'm your host, Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? Matt. Hello. And our super special guest, uh, Terrence. Uh, Terrence Miller, Terrence M, pro gamer for uh, Gale Esports or Gale Force Esports, right? Yeah, Gale Force. <laughs> so, as always, uh, we like to start our podcasts with a question. So, guys, what do you know about esports? More specifically, what games do you watch, and what teams and or players do you cheer for? Matt, you want to start it off? Uh, what do I know about esports? I know it's basically competitive gaming. It branches anywhere from fighting all the way to card games. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, as far as watching, I watch Smite. I watch a little League of Legends, uh, not so much following. And I watch Hearthstone. I have watched Counter-Strike before, but I don't really follow Counter-Strike. It's more just the gameplay. And yeah. About it for now. Your teams. Oh, and teams. Uh, I guess mm, Smite. I do like for the NA. I do like Luminosity for the uh, Euros. Uh, I actually did like Team Solo Mid for the NA, and then they kind of dissolved, and then went to Soar Gaming. <laughs> I believe is what they are now. I don't even know if I think half of that team left and went to something else. I don't even know where any of them are anymore. I think they're now called In the Memory of Gabe. <laughs> but uh yeah and then <clears throat> as far as the game obviously i've watched terrence play quite a few times in hearthstone <laughs> some tournaments <laughs> um but yeah so that'd be about far team wise follow uh, i guess for me i'm pretty much in the same boat well a little less because i only started watching esports when uh actually adrian matt and i all started playing smite together because there was this portion of Smite where if you, it was like Smite Fantasy. And so if you picked the right teams and all that type of stuff, you would get extra favor, extra gems, all that all that good stuff. And I wanted some costumes. So I started watching it like <laughs> really religiously. And I'm with Matt. Luminosity is pretty much my team for Smite because of Jeff Hinla and Barracuda, who are uh, uh, relationship goals right there. And then, of course, Terrence. Yeah. <laughs> and Hearthstone. Those are the two games that I watch. I watch Hearthstone because I really love it, even though Terrence makes fun of my decks when I stream it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't blame him. I just pile cards in there. So, And then Smite. So that's it. Adrian? Um, I've been watching esports back since, like, Halo days and, you know, Counter-Strike 1.6. I really didn't really... I didn't really know what I was watching or any of the teams They would just come on stream sometimes and I would watch them. Uh, these days I primarily just watch League of Legends just because I've been following, like I hardly play the game anymore, but I just feel so invested after playing it for so long. And then now I've just watched it for so long. They're like, all right, it's the weekend time to watch some uh, League of Legends. Um, I really liked C9 when they first started because they were like the underdogs and, you know, they kind of like stormed over NA. No one from that team is on that team anymore for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know if I can really say that I like them, but most of their players went to FlyQuest, and it's pretty fun to watch FlyQuest play Cloud9, because it's like Inception, watching those teams <laughs> play each other. Uh, I'm really excited right now, because they just, um, some of like the old retired guys in League of Legends just made like a, uh, a meme team with with Echo Fox. <laughs> so they're going to be doing like the Challenger series for a few of the games. And it's totally just like the biggest joke ever, but it's going to bring some notoriety to like the Challenger series and stuff. So that should be pretty fun to watch. I do have a question. When you say old retired guys, how old are they? Oh, they're like my age. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thought I'd ask. But they also don't play anymore. So I guess in the scheme of like video games, they're old because, you know, well, who still plays League so anymore? So Matt and I don't have a budding pro career coming along? Actually, well, the funny thing is, I guess it depends on the, at least from my research, I found out, obviously most of these players retire in their mid-20s or whatnot, but I guess depending on what game they play, they actually last longer, almost into the 30s, like some of the fighting games. 
in StarCraft as well. Smite actually, I believe, has the youngest age group of players really? overall at like 25, but usually they're in their mid-20s, even though they burn out really quickly for career length. Huh. I'm sure Terrence has more on that since <laughs> but at least from what I was able to read. It's funny because like, you think that these guys are old, but they're like literally not much older or younger than we are, like, and they make way more money. Like and a ridiculous amount of money. I'm a cutie pie who's going to be on that meme team makes like three million dollars a year from streaming, and he doesn't even play league anymore, like and, professionally. <laughs> yeah. So, Terrence, what yep. do you know about esports? Uh, I know that esports is like growing like so incredibly fast. Like the scene just as a whole is just like nothing but positive, really. And uh, the games that I watch I actually started esports with League of Legends. And I was a big uh, TSM fanboy back in the day. So I don't get to watch League as much now, just from playing Carson all day or streaming. But TSM is definitely the team I like in League. I also watch uh, Heroes of the Storm, since Gale Force, that's uh, one of their main teams. So <laughs> definitely support them. And I also just got into Rocket League, since we picked up a Rocket League team. Watch very little Overwatch. I've just never really been into... Uh, shooters, I'm just really bad at them. <laughs> so I need to play you in a shooter to win. Yeah, if you want to beat me, definitely challenge me to a shooter. So I'm going to go out of limb and say that you're your favorite player. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely my favorite player. <laughs> yeah, Harson, of course, just play it all day. Like, it, I burn out sometimes, but like after like a week or two, I'm usually good again to like just keep grinding. So I don't think we actually mentioned it, but can you like tell us a little bit like what Hearthstone is? Because it's one of the newer, I guess, games that came around in 2014, I believe. Also, uh, for yeah. those listening, Matt and I will say Hearthstone. The correct pun- pronunciation is Hearthstone, like Terrence <laughs> is saying it. However, we've been saying it this way for like three years, so I don't think it's going to change. It's okay. I've, I've been saying Hearthstone <laughs> since World of Warcraft came out you know, 14 years ago. So, so. Yeah, yeah, pretty much I said like Warlocks. <laughs> Uh, so uh, Hearthstone is a digital card game. Uh, a lot of the characters and stuff in it are based off of World of Warcraft. And they've also added like Hearthstone's a more like lighthearted, fun type of thing. That's the direction they're going with it. So Blizzard have also added their own like characters to it outside of the WoW universe. But uh, yeah, it's the m- most similar thing would be Magic the Gathering which I've played card games since I was seven, mainly Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! But Magic is the one card game that's closest to. And there's a lot of, like, luck, strategy, like... It's not as, like, flashy as other esports. There's not, like, as many, like, big moments that aren't RNG-related. So, like, the, like, <laughs> hype for the viewership is, like, what what viewers like, the pro players hate. Like, you'll see <laughs> someone, like, do a big yog and all the, like, pro players. I was watching at BlizzCon. All of us are just like, what is happening right now? Please stop. And the crowd's just going wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's Hearthstone. Uh, yeah, it's actually funny you said that because about Magic. I believe because of Hearthstone and its popularity, Magic, I think, will be developing their own, I think, yeah. computerized or digitalized card collecting yeah. game or to make it digitalized in the computer, I believe, in a few years. I think the goal is 2018, I believe. And so would that be different than, like, the Magic Duels that they have now? Like, is it going to be... I'm not 100% sure. I just know because Hearthstone is making, like, $25 million. Yeah. (laughs) And they're, like, one of the most streamed and watched uh, games on Twitch that more games like Magic are trying to get into it. I wonder, too, if that's why Gwent ended up happening, because that was the card game in The Witcher, right? Yes. Yeah. And then now it's its own thing. So I guess from there, let's go ahead and I'm going to talk about, I guess, the brief little history of esports, how it got started, and just kind of move a little quickly before we get into, I guess, some of the other more in-depth things, but just kind of a little background history. Surprisingly, it's been around since like the 1980s. The first one was an an Atari competition with Space Invaders. Obviously, if anybody's ever watched any, like the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe, they talk about Space Invaders, and it's kind of a joke brought up quite a bit. Uh, there was actually 10,000 participants when this happened. And then through the late 80s into early 90s, probably actually more of the late 80s, Nintendo and Blockbuster started sponsoring more events. And so that's how it kind of began to, I guess, grow. But it really wasn't until like the 1990s 
with the rise of PC gaming that basically, I guess, the, as they call it, the first true esports competitions actually happened, and which happened in 1997 with the Red Annihilation Tournament of that's Quake. Such a, that's such a good tournament name. Like That just sounds <laughs> like you're going into battle, even though it's a whole bunch of people in front of their rings. But still, that, that's a good tournament name. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy because the first one was Quake, but I think Quake just released, I guess, a new game or a new Quake or a remodeled. I don't know if either one of you have seen or watched that. I happen to see that was being streamed for a little bit about a few weeks ago, but they just released a new one. Funny thing was, so everybody thinks of money and whatnot to win these tournaments. Actually, the first grand prize for this tournament, the Red Annihilation Tournament, was the lead developer for the Quake game basically gave his Ferrari away to the winner. They won a Ferrari. Okay, was it a used Ferrari or like a brand new Ferrari? I'm not 100% sure. It's a Ferrari. It's a Ferrari. Yeah. <laughs> you, you win that turn to be like, oh no, you used your Ferrari. I don't want it. It's got 200 miles on it. I can't use that. I'm sorry. It's not a Honda Civic. It's a Ferrari. It's a <laughs> So, Terrence, when are we going to get to ride in your Ferrari? Uh, there's been uh, two Hearthstone tournaments that have uh, awarded Ferraris. Oh, what? They've both been uh, China versus EU, so oh, haven't okay. gotten a chance to compete yet. I got I got shotgun when when you did get to compete though. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, the mainly the games that took place were fighting games like the Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, those type of games, as long as first person shooters or FPSs, what we will normally call them. And that was probably like, I guess, well, in the 90s, it'd be like your Quake, I think Unreal Tournament, I believe was that old as well, Counter-Strike, mm -hmm. whatnot, and sports games. They were actually really big back in the day. Like, it's like uh, Blitz and stuff? Uh, I don't know about Blitz, but I know Madden had tournaments. I'm yeah, Mad Madden still to this day still yeah. has huge tournaments, and so does 2K for NBA. Yeah, that's it. those are still going as long as FIFA. I don't know if FIFA went back into the early 90s, but FIFA is pretty big as well. I and, do have a question about the fighting games. Yes. So do they play them on the arcades? Like, were they like cabinet tournaments? Um, from what I understand, they started out as cabinet tournaments, but then obviously they generally moved to the consoles. Okay. And I think now, for the most part, they're played in console form. Okay. So yeah. a lot of those games. Actually, the fighting games, which I guess I'll get when we get a little farther, is actually dying out, surprisingly. <clears throat> But it wasn't uh, wasn't until like the late uh, 1990s where a new, I guess, type of game came along. Basically, what are called RTSs or real-time strategies. And StarCraft Brood War, which was the expansion of the hit game StarCraft, is when RTSs really came out. Because a lot of these other games had strategy or they had quick reflexes. Like you had to be aware. They called it like, you know, like moving and twitching i guess is how they like to explain it for Twitching's. like well that's how they call it, like a twitch reflex when you're playing shooter games for the most part oh. it wasn't as much uh, strategy as much moving and clicking whatnot it wasn't until this rts of starcraft to where you actually had to have strategic and like an actual like game plan i guess for per se oh, okay. and so that's really where that took off and basically took over uh but so then we move into the 2000s which is kind of all the way up to the presence it's obviously where esports I guess what what we know today as esports is kind of started in the 2000. That's when MLG was formed, or basically known as Major League Gaming. Um, they you had... know, I thought that wasn't a real thing for the longest time. <laughs> like, like I thought it was just a whole bunch of like guys around my school just like using it to like make themselves look cool and be mean to other people. Well, it ended up becoming that. Okay, but yeah, no, actually... that's, that's exactly what it, what it was. <laughs> I used to play Counter Strike back in the day. Everyone was like, "You're not MLG, bro." Yeah. Or I'm MLG. Like, no, you're not. Like, shut. Turned into that, but it, it actually is a, a real, actual okay thing. I had to clarify there. Yeah, and that was formed in 2002, and then obviously the first televised tournament of Halo 2 was televised as well, and that was on the USA Network. So basically, hey, Halo. That's huh? what I was talking about. Yeah, that's where I started watching esports. Was like yeah. that. I distinctly remember like sitting down in front of the TV and watching that whole tournament. It was awesome. Yeah, because basically the 2000s is kind of like the peak of television esports. That's where you had like G4 gaming shows. I think in like 2005 through 2008, you had what's called Madden Nation, which we brought up both Maddens or the Madden games that have been around forever. You have uh, other, I think the Madden Bowl goes on as well. Uh, but then you had, a, again, uh, basically all the televised things. But none of them really actually stuck around. I think pretty much almost all of them are died out. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, can you? I think I know they had one this year, which was a H1Z1 tournament on, I think it was, 
CW. Oh yeah, that's right. That was the first I, one. But that wasn't even still, live. I think they still they just did Halo not too long ago. Okay. But it's yeah. not, you know, it's not like how it used to be. Yeah. I say I also don't have cable television. That so is I true. Tell you I'm so pretty before. sure we live we watch all of our stuff on Twitch. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was also when Counter Strike came about, or I guess a little became really popular. Probably the most popular one there is today. And then about 2008, 2009 is when MOBAs joined the stage with League of Legends. Actually, no, I correct that. Dota was the first one. But League of Legends kind of became, even though Dota, I think, is the most popular and the largest one, it seems like League of Legends is more... More mainstream. Yeah, more mainstream and most viewed. Because I think the only time Dota ever comes up is whenever like people are shocked at the prize pool. Yeah. I think that's the only time I ever see like Dota like anywhere is when they talk about that. Yeah, so but... Dota, which is Defenders of the Ancients, the first one was in 2003, and the second one is, which is now being currently, I guess, in their point now, is in 2013. And uh, just really quickly for the people who might not know what MOBAs are, what are MOBAs? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Massive online battle yeah. arenas. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> no, I'm gonna say. Also, uh, re listen to that as Kate does not know what MOBA actually means. She just uses the word and plays the game. So thank you, Adrian, because I did not know what that was. <laughs> I was I gonna try to, yeah, I was like thinking, I was debating on whether it goes acronym or how it's played. <laughs> it's been kind of a terrible analogy, but they kind of use it as you play and take objectives in these obviously these battle arenas, but you only play as one individual. And so the bad analogy is they took like RTSs, which are real-time strategies, and they took it instead of you playing with an entire like unit and controlling units, you now control one character per se, and you work with other people instead of controlling everything. Not really the greatest analogy, but it's kind of a better understanding of you take one with the team and you try to capture it. I know lanes, towers, don't let your ADC die. (laughs) (laughs) And then obviously the newest one that Terrence said he just got into is Heroes of the Storm in 2015. Have you played it all or do you just have watched it? Uh, Heroes of the Storm is probably the main game that I go to whenever I get tilted while playing Carstone. (laughs) So it's like my game to just like chill out. And uh, whenever I'm watching, because Heroes of the Storm has its league like similar to League of Legends is played online, though. It's not, like, played in a studio, oh. uh, the HGC. So whenever I'm watching the team play, I'll, like, get the urge to play some Heroes of the Storm after for a bit. So I'll, I'll play Heroes occasionally. Yeah, it's it's on the up and up. Um, they brought in, like, professional, like, some of the retired guys who aren't playing League as much anymore. Blizzard's bought them in to, like, do charity events, and they're on the up and up. They've, they've had a few, in the last couple of years, they've had a few um, TV spots, like, on ESPN and stuff, so. Yeah. Heroes of the Dorm was the event that they had on no. ESPN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on. They're coming. Heroes out. of the Dorm. Yeah, it's the like <laughs> collegiate version of it. Actually, um, Michael Udall and Akaface, who are on the Gale Force per team, they're the ones that won that. Heroes oh, wow. of the Dorm that was on ESPN. All right. And so that kind of brings us towards these prize pools that we were kind of talking about. <laughs> <laughs> So back in the day, obviously, you won some Ferraris. As Terrence has said, they still give out some cars and prizes. And we're starting to see them get larger and larger to where now, in 2016, they had the largest prize pool for Dota 2 of $20.77 million. That's the article I was referring to. Yes. <laughs> and we also talked about how MOBAs became like the most popular and the most viewed and played of uh, these type of esports. Um, they hold 14 of the 15 highest prize pools of all time. Dota has nine of the 10 highest prize pools. Jeez. With League of Legends having three, and then Smite having one. Do any of you have a guess what the 15th and one non-MOBA? I'm prize. guessing Halo's uh, in there. Quake. Counter Strike. It's not Counter Strike. It actually is Halo. Ah. Yeah, we love the two. Yeah, surprising when I looked, uh, Counter-Strike prize pools, they seem to be high, but they didn't seem to be in the top, like, upper echelon of prize pools. Mm-hmm. I also don't know if that's just because MOBAs, you know, like, dominate 20 of the 25 yeah. or so. Well, which is really interesting, because I wonder if, like, the reason these prize pools are so high is because they are, there. It's, it's team competition, and I'm guessing yeah. you don't each get $5 million. <laughs> 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 like, it has to be split up. Yeah, I'm sure... Terrence could probably talk more about prize pools, but at least from my criticism is they like to show the big numbers, but when they start breaking it down, it's split up among 
like everybody through like the top 25 getting a certain amount of money, but they will only show when they promote the events the total amount of giving away. So it's know, not like, oh, sorry. No, I was just going to ask, do you know why Dota has bigger prize pools than League? Uh, honestly, I do not. I couldn't find out why. I just, people love Dota, but I don't know. Yeah, I think I, one of the big things is that like the team, I don't know, uh, Terrence might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, just because I don't know like the professional gaming scene from like your perspective, but isn't it because league players get paid by their teams more than like Dota players do? And it would, it, I would imagine it have to have something to do with Dota 2 being uh, run by Valve. I, I want to say Valve probably has more money than, than Riot does, who, who does League, League of Legends. The only thing that I knew about it for sure was that uh, Dota did uh, crowdfunding for their tournaments where League of Legends didn't. And uh, League of Legends just recently started doing where skin sales got added into the prize pool for a certain period of time. So that has helped to boost the price pool. I think the price pool has been like more than like doubled by skin sales recently or something like that. I don't remember offhand, but Dota is because of crowdfunding, I'm pretty sure. I can't really speak to like what Dota or League players get paid. Not really sure. And like for what you were saying before with the prize pools for like a multiplayer game compared to like a single player game, when I've compared Hearthstone's prize pools to like League or like Hots, uh, it is very similar, like, they're getting, like, five times as much prize pool, but, like, it's split between five people, so that's my take on it. So it looks great on paper and gets yeah. headlines, but it's not too different? I mean, it's it's still really good that the yeah. <laughs> game has, like, that high of a prize pool. Like, they could just have the same prize pool, and they're still just splitting it between five people, so... Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's still really good for, like, this esports in general like the single players on the team aren't getting like million well they're getting millions still for like a <laughs> super big one but like they're like a single player on the like dota team's not getting 20 million dollars like yeah but you still are happy that the prize pool is yeah 20 million dollars <laughs> no, yeah. one million instead of 20 <laughs> no yeah the like the latest big tournament that just happened the uh, msi the mid-season invitational yeah uh, at one point Fan contributions for the skin sales, like you said, it was 1.4 million, and the total prize pool was like, like two million or something like that. So, yeah. people bought a lot of skins. So, Not yeah. gonna lie, I would totally contribute to that if it happened for Smite, and they did I that. I think they did do that when they actually got their highest one, oh. which was in 20, I believe, 14, was their season end of season two i believe they did that and that's ah. why their prize pool ended up being like 2.5 million dollars and we didn't actually start watching it until console well we watched so. that year that was oh, the first okay. year we had watched it when it did come to console okay but their gotcha. prize pools actually have gone down since then for at least their oh, world wow. championship there are just one uh actually for uh salary wise which we might get into talking about but uh league of legends at least from what i understand at least in south korea and some of the European or the Asian type leagues, I think they believe they have to pay player minimums of 12500 a year or as far about 450 bucks a match. Well, that's not bad. That's at the minimum, obviously, depending on players and other stuff, they make more. Basically, we'll talk about a little more when we get there, but it was basically because of labor problems and exploitation. I can see that. Uh, so that kind of leads us to Terrence's Alley of Hearthstone, which started in 2014. The digital collective card games yep. and the biggest one uh so far and that's kind of where it's out far as where we're at as far as new games i believe that's come along i'm sure there's oh well rocket league i think is the newest one but it kind of goes with the sports yeah. area but hearthstone definitely is kind of its genre of its own so we are now all caught up <laughs> <laughs> all the way up to there try to get to that as fast as possible but the background and the history of it and the fact it's been around for almost 30 years it's kind of but people don't think about it, but it has been 30 years i honestly didn't think it went back that far like when i when you were like oh gosh i gotta condense this history down i was like what history it's a video game <laughs> yeah no, people have been playing tournaments and whatnot and so that kind of gets today and where kind of the big deal and what kind of like what we really want to talk about is the growth we've all kind of at least all of us here so far have mentioned the growth and the expansion of esports and so kind of a few things that's happened from these growths is 
the LANs parties or land uh, events or sporting events. For those of you who don't know what a LAN is, it's a local area network. It's where they basically run a giant computer uh, network between all the computers and like internet and connect them all together. This is usually to allow equal and fair competitive play. In Hearthstone, not a big deal, but when you're playing Counter-Strike, <laughs> what even milliseconds of <laughs> lag can cause between you live or die. Or so getting DC'd from a game. Yeah, so that's another reason why. Because especially with some of these players, when they start, when they are playing across worlds, and you know, playing in, somebody's playing in South Asia, somebody's playing in Europe, and somebody's playing in Brazil, you need to make sure the internet and connection-wise is equal. Which is funny because as big as they are, surprisingly, StarCraft, League of Legends, and Dota didn't even actually have LAN when they were released. It wasn't until almost 2013 or so that these games started actually adding like clients to be able to even run LANs. So they had to play all their major tournaments just over regular networks. It's actually kind of funny that you say it's not that big of a deal in Hearthstone. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's about to drop some knowledge. <laughs> so right now for the whole world championship qualification process in Hearthstone, which were called prelims before, I don't remember the name that they're using now, but uh, it's pretty much the top 64 for around three months. And then we all have to go to like separate locations and play over Wi-Fi. And the locations that, like there's only certain locations you can go to, and the Wi-Fi at these events has not been the greatest. Like the first one I went to, I was constantly disconnecting. Oh, and that wow. can be like just really stressful as a player. And even just like completely disconnecting from a game you're winning, it's like, okay, if you don't have like game visible and you like screenshot it to prove that you have like game next turn, then you just have to replay the game. And like when you're winning, that can be like super stressful when you're already like playing some of like the most important games to I think it is pretty important too. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I was all thinking about like just lag and the latency. Yeah. I didn't even think about two I think disconnects. Having, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, to prove that you were actually going to win next term seems like kind of a big deal. Yeah. So I guess we'll start with these land parties and our large sporting events that they kind of turn into. Uh, we kind of did a recap at DreamHack, and I know Terrence is very familiar with DreamHack and played a few. Um, they also have QuakeCon which is in Dallas, which is a large one, and apparently the largest, which as we held about 6,000 PCs every year and been around since 1994, is in Spain. And Escu Encounter is what I think the name is. I don't Usco? speak... Sure. I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I can't pronounce it. I just know what it is. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so so those were obviously these giant land parties where people, they go, usually they have music, turn into a festival, people bring their PCs, they sleep over, they obviously have tournaments going on. They've also led to these large, like, almost like quote-unquote sporting events where now these games now hold their championships, like Smite World Championships, uh, League of Legends World Championships, Halo League World Championships. And they actually get pretty large now. Like in 2014 at the League of Worlds in, I believe it was South Korea, they had 40,000 people in attendance. Imagine Dragon showed up to perform like during like intermission. No, like even last year, I mean, last year wasn't, obviously like where they where they were at isn't as big as the where they, they were at in 2015. But I mean, they had semifinals in MGM um, and wow. finals at the Staples Center. Like that, those are like huge arenas. The MGM is like where all the sports people want to play in. So just the fact that they're able to perform or able to get those venues, I think is huge. Yeah, I was just going to say that I've gone to uh, Madison Square Garden to watch League twice now. And yeah, I was just going to ask, I was like, uh, that's awesome. Um, but also, what are, uh, I guess, what are the biggest... Uh, lands for Hearthstone. You have attended. Oh, that yeah. you have attended. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have attended. Then it's obviously just the Dream Hacks. Uh, Dream Hack Austin last year was, I'd say, bigger than this year was, but that's probably the biggest one since it was like the first big land for North America as far as Hearthstone goes. And just all the Dream Hacks in general, I've gone to, I think, this is going to be my fourth one this weekend in Europe. And then there's the two in North America so far. And where's this one in, this weekend at? Uh, in Sweden. I know. That was the one I wanted to go to. <laughs> <laughs> also, do you know how to pronounce the name of that city that that, that DreamHack is in in Sweden? <laughs> I don't. And every time I go through customs, trying to tell them where I'm going is so hard. Like, they always just stare at me for, like, a couple of minutes. Like, say that again? Where are you going? <laughs> so... 
obviously these events have grown and they produce a lot of revenue, but probably the biggest thing that's contribute to their expansion is online streaming. And in particular, mainly Twitch. For those of you who don't know what Twitch is, it's kind of a basically an interactive streaming where you usually play a lot of games are involved. They've kind of branched off into other creative areas, but basically you just stream, you play in a game or these tournaments would they allow chat and interaction thing. That's why it's a little different about competing YouTube because it's like live immediate interaction. And I thought I thought Mixer is the next up and coming one. No. <laughs> hey. <laughs> no need for the shade. Mixer is actually getting up there. I know they did just do a no. chain name change, but they're they're still leagues behind. Online streaming so big, it probably will never be as big as Twitch, but it definitely will probably it's still getting views. People are still branching off into that. But basically what Twitch allowed and this online streaming allowed for the most part was it turned all these tournaments and like dream hacks where, you know, where people show up, but not all of us can make it to Sweden and everything else. <laughs> but what it, did, it, allowed it, it allowed these esports to be a spectator sport. So even though we don't get to go to Sweden, we can still turn on Twitch and watch the tournaments and we can watch everybody play and we can follow the teams no matter where they are in the world. Yeah. And so that was one of the biggest things that it did. Because as much as you can see, play, get there, but the fact you're able to watch it anytime or have people in these live broadcasts even announce and give you information about it. Yeah, I so. mean, and I think during like the during uh, the uh, SPL, the the Smite Pro League, or the Summer Pro League in Smite, our TV is almost always turned on to on those games on the weekends. Yeah, whether it's playing in the background or like we're actually following it along, because usually we'll follow it along to watch Luminosity play, but you know, it's always on and we're always like keeping up with like what's happening. Um, and it's all through Twitch. Like it, we don't really do it through anything else really. Yeah. And that kind of leads to like how big and like this grown through Twitch is the kind of, once again, back to Dota. I still don't know, <laughs> maybe it's a prize pool. For some reason, they don't seem to be the most like, I guess, premier mainstream one, but their first day one of the international last year of the Dota 2 championship Twitch recorded 4.5 million unique viewers, averaging two hours watching the title. Now, obviously, that means some people watch for two minutes and some people watch for six hours, four <laughs> hours, so it kind of equals two hours. But still, getting 4.5 viewers, I mean, you're beating, like, some of the all-star games and some, like, just regular season games and maybe even a, some, some some of these crappy playoff games that are, do like, in actual sports. Do you want to know the league numbers? Sure. They had 43 million unique viewers. Ooh, so it's grown. And they had like a peak like concurrent of 14.7 million or something like that. Is that the whole million. tournament or is that just the one day? That's like their, their – no, it's just the finals. Like the, okay. So during the finals, they had 43 million unique and they peaked around 14.7. So, yeah. And yeah. that's pretty consistent for them. I think that's what about what it was yeah. the year before that too. So, I mean, yeah, I've, I've been those guys who stayed up until like – four or five in the morning because they're usually sometimes they're overseas so a lot of people watch them actually to point out when we were first talk, talking about getting this podcast done adrian came into town and i had to drive adrian to his hotel by by myself because matt wanted to watch one of the games that was about to come on in smite so <laughs> it was accurate. the finals <laughs> don't blame him at all <laughs> completely accurate two years ago i literally watched because they were in, in I don't remember where they were at, but I literally watched like the finals in that'd class. That would have been South Korea, I believe. Yeah, I literally watched the finals in class. And they're going to be in China this year, I think. So I'm literally going to be watching it work this year. So it's all good. Which kind of brings, I guess, another thing, because we've been talking about, like, I guess, Dota, which is called the International for one day, and League of Legends. Obviously, all these uh, big tournaments whatnot happen overseas. In Hearthstone, is it still North American's number one Europeans and South Asians two and three, or is that kind of flip? Or as, as far as a lot, like where the tournaments are happening, yeah, really? but kind of tournaments and just I guess teams in general, like the big revenue tournaments. Actually, DreamHack Austin last year was the first open tournament. Well, first like big open tournament in uh, Hearthstone in North America. I think it's like fairly EU based. It was like very EU heavy. So, like, uh, some of, like, the online rankings, they only count big tournaments. So, like, you see nothing but European players for their rankings. And it's like, uh, I haven't really had a chance to play in any tournaments that would give points for this. Oh, wow. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> yeah, because I know just from what I've seen, a lot of them are now, obviously, League has been almost predominantly 
uh, South Korea, Asia, and European dominant, and North America's kind of taking the back seat. Smite's kind of almost trending that way, where EU's starting to dominate over North America. So I didn't know if Hearthstone, after a few years, is now trend- trending that way as well, or if the Americans are still holding on, or North Americans, since they do have Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd say there's like a lot less North American based teams. Like, I, Europe is definitely like bigger for Hearthstone than North America is. Like, all the, like, big stuff is, like, Blizzard, so, like, all the, like, super big prize pools are going to be, like, based in North America, but, like, most of the teams are based in EU. Do we know it? I mean, is has anybody, like, talked about, like, why that is? Like, is it just that, like, maybe esports have been maybe treated differently abroad than they have here, and so they've been able to go that way, or well, they just have more intense I do know training? That, um, one, they do all have better internet than North America. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about just from like disconnection problems and internet connection but also i was going to ask terrence about training wise when we got there but as far as what i read the asians and europeans they train seem to train and have had problems over the years of just over training players where it's almost like 16 hour days of scrims and drills i i feel like i can't say as much about that but like for hearthstone unless it's the end of the season like you don't have to like for Hearthstone, it's like you once you like learn something, it's like it's not like a very mechanical skill or anything. Like you you play a lot and like you get the experience from like being in a situation before, just play it better in turn or like instantly. So like playing a lot does help, but like you don't have to like grind for like for the Dreamhack Austin. I went almost all the preparation I did was uh theory crafting wise. I played like a day of just like playing with against other people with the lineup i ended up getting second with so like you don't have to be like grinding for hours in hearthstone but you do get like burnt out like the way that the ladder system is if you want to get like a top 100 placement at the end of the month to get points to try and qualify for worlds then the all the games on the last day matter more so there's been like days where i like set my alarm woke up at like eight and then i have to play until uh midnight west coast time so i'm playing from like 8 to 3 a.m and it's like i can't stop unless i have like a good spot in top 100 so like that part gets really grindy but like in general like tournament prep can get grindy if you want it to and the end of the season can get really grindy if you're not already at a comfortable spot i have a question um, a question and kind of a clarification, because you said you're not ranked very high, but according to GhostofGamers.net, you're the 19th best Hearthstone player in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's nothing to nothing to look down on. That's pretty cool. Um, and I know, like when league players go to these international tournaments, they do like a lot of scrims, like behind the scenes with like the uh, the, the South Korean teams and stuff like that. When you go, like say when you go to Sweden this uh this weekend are you going to be doing like behind the scenes scrim stuff to, to prep or are you just gonna be doing gear crafting stuff like you said uh i, I will be pl- like the thing is i don't want to show what i'm playing so as far as prep goes i, I don't want to play against anyone in the tournament like and as far as like league you can't practice with people from korea on a day-to-day basis because of just like the like lag or whatever but like hearthstone that's not a factory i can play with anyone in the world as long as like time zone like that's that's the only like problem of like wanting to practice with someone from like a different part of the world is time zones and as far as gosu gosu gamers was actually the site that i was referring to as far as the rankings and like most of the events at the beginning of hearthstone were like very eu heavy and uh, they, Gosu Gamers is like, it's a decent ranking system, but it's like very jumpy as far as, uh, I went from completely unranked to top 10 NA when I first got the Dreamhack second place. And then I did like, okay, at a bunch of tournaments, I dropped down to like bottom 50. And then I played in my Dreamhack again this year and I did pretty well. I went like uh, nine and two. And then I'm like straight back up to top 20 in the world now. So like the the rankings for Gosu can be very jumpy and most of the events are like EU heavy. Like I've gotten like rating decay from like not playing in tournaments 
while having no tournaments available to me to play. Oh, huh. wow. Yeah. Didn't realize. Well, I, I mean, I, I didn't I, know that that was a factor. Well, I, I knew that was a factor, but I didn't realize that that would be a factor where he can't actually play. It's yeah. one thing if you just, you know, get busy, but another thing if you just can't actually get any tournaments. Or there's none available, I guess, per se. Dang. Which kind of leads, because since obviously this has grown, this expansion, which led to another part that's been really cool and came on a lot in the last few years, and it was even at the DreamHack Austin that we went to and we watched a little bit of, is in 2013, universities, like actual like college universities, like the University of Texas and Rob Morris and everything else, they started offering scholarships to players to come and play like League of Legends or come and play like Hearthstone. And there's actually clubs and leagues started. Uh, Blizzard and Riot have basically collegiate outreach programs. The AVGL, which is American Video Game League, there's an entire collegiate setup where they have just leagues of Hearthstone. We've watched college Hearthstone. Oh, yeah. We, there's also League, yeah. I believe. I'm not sure about Smite. I know Counter-Strike is a very big one where they just have giant prize pools and organized collegiate esports events and so that definitely helped grow and starting i guess what we talked about like people of our age and earlier so you can actually just play video games and get into school that way and i think even the biggest thing which was weird what i saw was riot and the big 10 partnered to how they actually televised league of legends games on the big 10 network wow which was weird when i turned that on and realized that the big 10 and michigan state and ohio state were not playing football they were playing league of legends (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so yeah. So basically also with the televised things turned into now, like the Big Ten and all these channels, they all have Twitch channels as well. So it went from like, we're going to do this to where we have literally, there's a Hearthstone collegiate Twitch channel to where you can just go watch collegiate team play Hearthstone. (laughs) My first big Hearthstone tournament was actually from qualifying through a collegiate tournament. Oh, wow. Nice. It was uh, PAX Prime 2013 or 14. I'm not really sure. I don't remember. (laughs) But I went, it was a double elimination bracket. And I went undefeated up until the last round. And then I lost that one. So I was like, oh my God. I went like 10 or 11, like some crazy amount of wins in a row. And then lose the last round. Then like just barely on the cusp of qualifying. I have to win like the next day. And I was actually supposed to leave to go to uh, the Dominican Republic on vacation with my family that day. So I wasn't sure if I was even going to be able to play since I didn't win on that day. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how you get involved, but that is crazy. That's that, awesome. That <laughs> stuff is all over the place. So saying all of this stuff and this growth and expansion and this great and these larger prize pool, unfortunately, it's also... I guess we want to say why this matters because with like all mainstream sports and stuff that affects everyday lives, there's also, while there's good things, there's also bad things that has come from a lot of these, uh, this expansion and growth of esports. I guess we'll start with basically the competition has now become extremely cutthroat. Um, You kind of play in a, uh, I guess by yourself, so obviously your rankings and how you well is affected by you. But in some of the other games like Counter-Strike or League of Legends or even Smite, where you have to rely on teammates, there can be a lot more problems because turnover rates and, you know, if you don't get along with personalities, it leads to basically we're just going to let you go. And so then you went from having, I guess, a career and being a pro gamer to now I need, I'm a free agent, I have to find another team. And then there are coaches in those teams on those teams too, right? Yes. Which also because of this growth, because of obviously we said the competition cut through, but what it has done and to help some of this stuff is teams and like I guess gaming associations such as what you were part of, Gale uh, Force. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thing they actually have a I guess grown and they actually help players and whatnot. So basically they kind of give them salaries, which we kind of talked about. They give them equipment, travel expenses. I'm assuming that you get a lot of your DreamHack and tournament fees all paid for. Yeah, I wouldn't be going to Sweden if I was paying for <laughs> <laughs> uh, Then you can get, so I mean, those are probably their main thing, tournaments, and obviously the prize pool money is what you get for, I guess, supplement income, the better you are. But usually just from showing up and being there and supporting and being sponsored, you get some sort of pay. I also found between equipment, they also offer housing, I believe. Um, I, I found know. that out from Bill Nye, the science guy. Well, because oh. they interviewed uh, pro gamers <laughs> on the the new show, and they actually went into one of the League of Legends houses. 
which is yeah so basically they're i guess they're giant dorm rooms or like dorm type facilities where people just play video games all day and train i don't know if you've ever been to any of these uh terrence or seen uh, i haven't get force does have one and i will be going soon it's just like a regular house so like it's not i i wouldn't say it's as like dorm roomy but <laughs> yeah I, i've seen the house yeah for like watching tsm's gaming house back in the day it doesn't seem like the most um yeah. you know glamorous <laughs> and clean place but yeah well the one on bill and i looked really cool maybe that was just stereotypical that they tried to throw that in there it, it was also in europe because he was talking to european players so that might that might factor into it okay. too uh, so also between these, they get usually another big part of income besides basically streaming, which is another big part on Twitch. Usually everybody has their own stream. Terrence, I know you have your own stream. I've seen your own stream. So that is a way that people supplement their I've income. I've been inspired by your 30-hour streams. <laughs> I wanted to stop playing Karsten by my 30-hour stream. <laughs> But uh, they lead into sponsorships, and usually, obviously, the big ones are energy drinks, so people can stream for 30 hours. Uh, Razer, G Fuel, obviously, it's another energy. Computer equipment, which is Razer. Uh, there are a lot of um, big ways of getting money that way. And so, obviously, they do get some support, and obviously, it enables them to be able to play these games all year round. But, like I said, the competition and stability kind of led to the problem from the teams where one moment you are being sponsored, you have a few bad tournaments or bad thing runs, and next thing you know, you're out. And so to stay competitive, now that we kind of, I just want to say that there are teams and get these out, so that way when it comes to the part, we kind of understand how it works. But because of this competition, performance-enhancing drugs has been a big problem. People taking Adderall, Ritalin, apparently they take Parkinson's medicine to calm nerves, Valium, adrenaline blockers. <laughs> Apparently, in a lot of like, uh, basically, it's not like a worldwide ban by the International Esports Federation, but they do league based. Uh, there is uh, drug testing and whatnot. I don't know if you mind. Does Hearthstone do any drug testing or? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I, I, I don't think there's been any drug testing. Actually, funnily enough, at the last Dreamhack Austin, uh, just like a conversation while waiting to play my top eight match. Uh, I was talking about the admin of the, like, Carson tournament, the person that runs it for Dreamhack, and, like, one of the other players asked, so is, like, Adderall allowed? And it was, like, just the funniest conversation. <laughs> it's, like, I'm not asking for me, I'm asking, because, like, I've, I know other people have played it, it's not for me. And the admin's just, like, you shouldn't be asking me about that. I, I, I'd advise against it, but it's not currently in, like, the, like, tournament rule set for the Hearthstone tournament, but yeah, you, you shouldn't pick Adderall. <laughs> if, yeah. if you were considering it for a Hearthstone dream pack, you, you shouldn't. <laughs> Adrian, I know you watch League. I'm sure you might know a little more because I know this has been a very rampant problem or rapid problem. Yeah, rampant problem in League of Legends, if you knew anything about I didn't I had no idea that they were referring to Adderall as like PEDs. Yeah. I watch Sports all the time. You're thinking about PDs. I'm thinking about like injecting steroids in your butt and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not thinking of Adderall, but I haven't yeah. heard of. Uh, I, I mean, not that I've seen. I mean, I'm sure there's problems with it. I mean, these dudes are playing all the time. I'm sure they're on some kind of something. <laughs> I mean, I think this kind of speaks to which is what's going throughout the whole thing. It's like the more esports has become legitimized like an like as like a sports arena like something where you are highly competitive and there you know there is pressure to succeed and stuff like there is going to be like that opposite side to the coin too yeah because these are some of the problems like all the problems you're naming are problems that happen in like i don't want to say like sports sports and take away from esports but you know but like physical sports as far as the but, adderall thing the only thing you know is i believe in 20 is it 14 or 13? There was a big debate because a lot of the Seahawks tested positive and had a lot of Adderall problems. And it was whether they were going to ban any of the secondary as well. Which actually really sucks because it's people abusing a drug that is actually there to help people that have problems. <laughs> and so if it gets banned, then every person who is diagnosed with ADHD all of a sudden can't take their medication when they go to play a game. <laughs> Which is terrible. 
It's yeah. not like injecting illegal stuff into your butt. <laughs> <laughs> and then probably the biggest one that Hold on, probably- before, before, before you go, I just looked it up to see if I could find anything for like League of Legends. And I guess, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, um, listeners, but League does not count Adderall as a PED. It could be Counter-Strike then. I knew League had, from what I saw, League was rampant, but I just knew overall that it was a It lot might of- be like an abuse problem, but maybe not something they've addressed yet. Okay. I know it's been working through, but it kind of leads into basically, at least from what I read, a lot of these, I don't know how much problems you've seen or heard from the North American side, I'm sure they're there, but I know, at least from doing research, the Asian and European side seem to have a lot more of these problems, which is kind of leads to the next part of player exportation of just overtraining, which has kind of led to the contracts of players, especially in league and like minimum player salaries and actual contracts. Because I guess before it was just like, hey, do you want to play on this? Sure, come here. And there was basically overtraining. Like I think they had 16 hour days, like I mentioned before. They had plenty of teams that started up and they were not actually paying their players. Uh, they had one-sided contracts where they basically, you sign this contract and basically the team owns you can do whatever and you may get paid, but they may take like 60% of your cut of your prize pools or just however it was. And so you were not getting uh, contract-wise a fair bid. So they actually turned into a lot of players now when they sign, especially in Smite, been advocated by some of the, I guess, people that have been around this thing where they actually want you to have a lawyer present when you, before you sign within your teams. Uh, I don't know if you had a lawyer when you signed your Gals Force contract, <laughs> parents, but... Uh... Yeah, when I first got into it, like, it wasn't much. Like, I didn't have really much to, like, go off of. Like, I joined Gale Force right before DreamHack Austin. But uh, after DreamHack Austin, I uh, actually got to know video game attorney, uh, Ryan Morrison. Hmm. So he's the one that I would, like, consult to now as far as, like, legal stuff. Yeah, because I know there was a problem they had where there's actually literally a team in League of Legends where somebody took out a bunch of loans to finance these teams, to finance the team. Then they kind of just, he went broke. He couldn't have any money to pay for this. Ended up having all the loan time to pay it back. They kind of maybe didn't win as much. The guy ended up jumping off a 12-story building because of this. He happened to have a few live, but because of that, and then kind of another problem between the players not getting paid led to game fixing and matchmaking, where in 2014, somebody in South Korea committed suicide after he'd been found out that he was basically throwing matches for profit because they weren't getting paid as much as like, somebody's like, I'll pay you 10 grand if you throw the, you know, just basically suck this match. And you're like, well, even if I win, I only win like two grand. So the incentive was there. And since they already had enough problems with their exploitation, they had a lot of, uh, (laughs) well, I think that's one of the important things too, like just kind of going into like the mental health issues. And it's just the idea that, I mean, it happens in competitive things all the time, like a competitive environment, there are a whole bunch of triggers for people who have pre-existing mental health issues. They have the ability to create, you know, more intense feelings. I mean, like I have really bad anxiety, uh, like anxiety disorder. And there are some points where like the, you know, stress and all these things can set it off. Now, if you take that and put me into an environment where I have an entire team depending on me, I'm having to make moral decisions based on my financial well-being. And then, you know, all of this, all they kind of like, it becomes a confluence of, uh, of, of stressors that can, you know, that have people, you know, taking their own lives or attempting, or it's what you see in sports that happen. Yeah. You know, how's it, how's it on you, Terrence? I know, especially with how the ranking works, I can't be something easy to deal with when you have you dropping in ranking when you can't even do anything about it. Uh, how, how's the stress on you as a, as a pro player? I feel like, so I don't have many, like, I don't have that many tops or just like getting out of like group stages or like getting to the single elimination stage of a tournament in Hearthstone. So I have like three four maybe and like i definitely feel like there's like periods of time where i'm like underperforming and it's like a little stressful it does motivate me more but like say the period before like this recent dream pack i traveled to pax east pax south south by southwest and uh the preliminaries to like try and get points tournament you get points to qualify for worlds for i did like very poorly at each of them i went like 2-2 two, two at three of them and then I went like two and three or three and four at the last one so it's like I felt like 
oh, the team's like spending like a, like they're paying for my hotel and travel to each of these events, and I haven't performed in like the last four tournaments. So it's like it can definitely be stressful, but I mainly try and turn it into motivation to prep harder for the upcoming tournaments. Yeah, I can't imagine it'd be easy. Like in League of Legends or something, you know, if someone makes a bad move, like that's on them. Like that's not RNG. That's not you know anything that the game did but you're dealing with a game that's com almost completely rng based yeah. and you're basing and these people are paying for you to go do all these things and then you're not then you don't perform well some of that might be on you miscalculations but i would i'd imagine a lot of it has to be oh well he got the one thing that he needed kind yeah. of thing i can't that can't be easy for for the stress either I mean, yeah, I know, I know when Matt crazy. played it like i stopped playing because i would just want to flip my keyboard over because it would just be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, well, kind of like how you said, because, I mean, we're kind of focusing a little bit on the negative parts of stress, but it has been, and there have been a lot of pro players, like yourself included, that the, the being able to compete at the high level and the motivation factor driven a lot of them, it's been well for them. It's even like, oh, I am on the highest level being able to compete with something I love to do. And it's just like, I guess, if you want to say adrenaline rush of just being able to yeah. do that. Yeah, you're traveling to Sweden and you're not paying for it. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, I mean, as much as we're kind of focusing on the negative parts, there are plenty of positives yeah. in everything else. Well, I mean, I think that's something, too, is, like, as much as, like, stress, the fact that teams turn over super quickly, like, really bad online harassment or just, like, with, like, inner team harassment, like, League of, Le League of Legends players going at each other, because somebody messed up or like what's going on in Smite right now where a big player left a team, said he quit because of the bad meta and then all that stuff. And then like, but like all these things happen, but at the same time, and they can be stressors on mental health, but at the same time, like I, I looked up, you know, more articles about esports mental health and overwhelmingly, like even though all this stuff happened, a lot of people actually said that esports and I guess video games as well, have really helped them uh, cope with their, you know, uh, deal with their mental health issues. Um, they've helped them, you know, become more social. They've built families around, you know, families around competing on their teams. They've they've built friendships that last. Um, it's been it's done wonders for helping people with panic disorders focus. Um, there was this one really great. Um, she's a pro player, and she was talking about how she's born um, like she can't differentiate smells. So like her body doesn't know if it's a dangerous smell or not, like that sense doesn't happen for her because she doesn't smell things in the same way. Her other senses are heightened. So she does, she plays shooters really, really well. Um, and so like esports has have also offered this completely other side as well. Like it's offered career paths and scholarships and things that actually help people's mental health at the same time. Um, yeah. That way it doesn't feel like we're just talking about, you know. <laughs> well, I know even being at the DreamHack and, well, I mean, you know, watching you compete, Terrence, you guys all seem to be like a giant family. Obviously, yeah. you talked about plenty of your teammates, just even if they play like heroes, how yeah. you're all like one giant family. Yeah, I think that's the best part about going to events, right? Like there was like a girl I dated at some point and she's like, oh, why do you have to like travel to these events? Can't you just like play it at your house? Like the traveling to these events is like other than like, it being a great vacation to just like go to Sweden for a weekend and not have to pay for it. Like just seeing all the members of the community is like the main reason I still play. Like there's points where I'm really, really frustrated with Hearthstone, like the RNG factors or whatever. But like it's never enough. Like always looking forward to like going to another event and being able to hang out with everyone. Like uh, DreamHack last time is probably like one of the most fun events I've been to. And like not even just like me doing well, just like being able to hang out with everyone again is like the main thing I look forward to when playing Karsten. I think that was something that I was really blown away with. And I think I talked about it in our DreamHack episode, but um, just like the communities that I saw forming or that, that were already formed around all the different, you know, at the Hearthstone stage, at the Capcom stage, you know, at all of these stages, like they were, it, they were people bonding who may not have never met each other because they're a fan of this game that's being played right now. And it, it really resembled like when I walk into 
when I would walk into the UT stadium to watch, you know, the football team play, like I felt connected to the person next to me, even though I never would have talked to them because I don't like people. But like I would start, (laughs) I would start talking to them, you know, because I saw a really good play or a really bad play. And it like, to see that type of communal aspect. I mean, I've talked about a lot on podcasts. I love communities. um, And I was just really blown away by how tight knit everybody was um, Mm -hmm. and how open everybody was with each other. Yeah. And so I think kind of before we get onto that, but I think just to wrap all this up and why this matters and we're talking about the communities and the big thing and the expansion and the growth of esports and some of the issues that come on and like kind of why it matters is because esports is now a big business. It's looking, at least from estimates of so far this year, it's looking to hit close to $700 million in revenue this year alone. That, I mean, that's between just all the DreamHack tickets sold, merchandise sold. I mean, prize, that's not including like giving out prize pools and players. That's just revenue alone that these tournaments and I guess Riot and games make alone just off of esports, not including anything else. I mean, it's looking with estimates because it's been growing so much by 2020, which is only maybe two and a half years away to be, billion business. And that's just from the esports part of video games. And so it's just going to keep growing and hopefully this community part sticks together and we don't have as many as some of the bad parts. And so I guess I kind of want to end a little bit with obviously our podcast is called But Why Though? And I know we explained this, but why does esports matter to you, Terrence? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I've, I've never really been into like mainstream sports as much i think a big like factor in that is i have asthma so i've like i could i like enjoyed playing basketball as a kid i enjoyed playing like touch football or something like gym class but i could always only play like half court like it was never something i was like super into i'd never watch on tv like i played on the school's basketball team and my stepfather's like you should watch so that like you like play better and like it just gave esports gave me something to like be competitive in. Like I have a really like competitive drive. I can't do it in like traditional sports due to health reasons. So like esports is like my like way to fulfill my like competitive drive. That's why it matters to me. That's, That's awesome. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know I've kind of been talking a lot. Uh, Adrian, I don't want to know. I guess because I know you've been chiming in with the League of Legends, uh, and I know you watch it a lot. But... Been... It, it's just because it's it's a sport now. Regardless of all the hate it gets whenever it comes on TV or any of that stuff, when you have 14 million people watching something, when you are projected to make $1.5 billion dollars by 2020, when other major sporting organizations are making, you know, NHL is making like $4 billion, um, basketball is making about $5 billion or something like that. Like you're closing in on those numbers and you have all of the as- aspects that make sports great. Like we talked we talk about in our NBA episode, you know, the debates on like who's better or, you know, team loyalties and stuff like that. You get that stuff in esports. So it gives you, it gives me that in the stuff that I do basically every day by playing video games. Like I'm never going to play professional football. I'll probably never put on a set of pads ever again. But I can go play Hearthstone right after we're done recording this. You know, you're so not going to go dunk on LeBron. <laughs> no, if you're listening, LeBron, come to my wedding. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's an actual sport now, and that's why it matters. It's it's you know, like Steve mentioned in our stack up episode, like nerds are winning, man. We're everywhere now. Okay, your final thoughts. I feel like I said it when I talked about the community aspect. I just, I I like stuff that connects me to other people. And I, sometimes it does feel a little isolating, like playing video games as much as I like to play. And then the type of people that I'm surrounded by are like, they usually don't have the same interests. And they usually may think it's kind of weird that I have my interests in video games or it's not expected that I have these interests. And so like, I can talk about a game that I'm playing, but I'm not going to lie. I'm not the best at a lot of the games. I may be really good with Athena and Smite, and that's about my top level right there. Um, but by watching it on by, by watching it on Twitch and actually going to stuff like DreamHack, like, I want to go to as many DreamHacks as I can because I had so much fun at DreamHack Austin. Like That gives me a way to actually talk about the games that I love and use a reference point that isn't like, well... I can only make it to rank 20 in Hearthstone. <laughs> and, you know, I just now got all my full deck. Like, it, I can know more by watching people play. And I can 
I can enjoy parts of the game that I probably would never see by watching people play it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the player to fan, I guess, relatability is seems to be a very high, I don't know if it's factor or what you want to call it, but yeah, but kind of like both saying reiterate everything is you, we can play all these games. We can play like we can, I've seen you play with Terrence before against him. (laughs) (laughs) You can do that and, you know, have fun. I mean, like when you go to some professional sports, you're just never going to be able to, it's not the same level. Like you're never, like Adrian said, you're never going to be able to compete with an NFL player. You'll never get the reality aspect. Now we may never get the, as a fan, you'll never be able to get the competition level or anything, but you can at least say, I can play this game and I know, and I can do this more than just like I picked up a basketball and I shoot 10 bricks out of the backyard (laughs) or something. But you're like, I can use these cards or I can use, you know, these characters that this player does and I can watch this and I can interact. And I think the interaction part community, especially with Twitch, has made it really accessible to a lot of people and a lot of fans. And just, I guess, really they do able. a lot of sub games too, right? Like yes. when the pros play, like they'll actually like open it up to the people that subscribe to them to actually jump in the matches with them and play. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, playing with your fans is seems to be quite a bit thing. Even just yeah. like playing on sorry, on ladder, like I'll get people adding me after like, oh, are you the real Terrence? It's like, cool, I'm like a big fan of your whatever. And like just that, being able to like interact with the people that you see like playing competitively. Yeah, we're talking with uh, the ranked 19th Hearthstone player in the world. <laughs> we're never going to talk to the top 19th NBA player. <laughs> I mean, if you spam his email enough, it's esports, you know. <laughs> spam his email enough, they might or ban he'll... you. But <laughs> I was like, you'll get a restraining order. <laughs> yeah, but is there any final thoughts from anybody? I thought we covered anything. I think we did a pretty good job. If not, we'll go ahead to uh, I guess. Let's see where we can find us. At we'll start off with I guess the podcast. You can find us on iTunes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us. Uh, you can also find us on Google Play. Tune in. I will one day figure out what tune in is. And Sketcher. Uh, we also Stitcher, not Sketcher, not the shoe company. <laughs> the podcast app. Sketcher, if you want to sponsor us, feel free to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're also on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at But Why Though PC. For my sign off, you can find me on Twitter at. Dat M18, D A T T M18. Hint, hint, Terrence. <laughs> <laughs> He's so mad that you follow that you follow me back and not him, by the way. <laughs> There's like mountains of salt. <laughs> uh, we'll go with Kate next. As always, you can find me at OhMyMithrandir on Instagram, Twitter, and on twitch.tv slash OhMyMithrandir. Adrian? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z 93. And what are all the ways that we can uh, have our listeners connect with you, Terrence? Okay, so on Twitter, it's at GFE underscore Terrence M. And you can catch my stream on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Terrence M-H-S. Also, on our website and our YouTube channel, you can also watch The Other Side of the Wormhole which will now have been added up to about seven episodes. Yeah, so if there's anything in this episode that you think we missed, think we got wrong, or you just want to hear a little bit more about, go ahead and at us or send us an email, um, and we will uh, make sure Matt gets on that. Uh, well, good luck this weekend, Terrence, and thank you for being on. Yeah, thank you so much, Terrence. Yeah, it's been great, Terrence. Hope to have you back someday. <laughs> After yeah. you win this weekend in Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> And we always usually have outro music to our episode. Terrence, do you have any request? How you would like to end the episode as a special guest? I was not prepared for this at all. <laughs> I always like to ask a question that people are not prepared for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pass on this. Uh, <laughs> uh, Thanks for listening, guys. Yes, bye. Bye.